So, uh, so can we or can we not talk about Bruno? I am still left confused every time I see the movie. Should we talk about Bruno today? <laughs> actually, uh, uh, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie Encanto today, not so much about Bruno. But uh, each week this month at Clay Church, we are using an animated movie as a doorway. I want to invite us to think about all these messages and culture as doorways to take us into God's Word, into the Bible, to, to see what the Bible has to say about these stories and particularly what these stories kind of spin up, drudge up in and through us. Today we're going to look at a letter from Paul to the church. Now, honestly, how many of you think of Paul and Disney together in the same thoughts very often, right? Let's pray, and then today we're going to dive into Encanto in the letter to the Ephesians. Let's pray. Holy God, speak to us this day. Open our ears to hear what you would have each one of us hear. Open our minds to learn and grow. Open our hearts to a deeper relationship, knowing your love for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me start with a question this morning. I'm going to invite you to be honest. Show of hands, how many of you have someone in your family or something in your family that you really don't talk about. All right, thank you to the six people who are honest. I appreciate that. Here's the, the thing this morning, if your family has secrets or just things that are hard to talk about, if your family has things you don't always talk about, or you have things you don't like to talk about because they are stressful or too painful. If your family looks perfect in the family photo, but is anything but outside of that, or I probably should say, if the family photo is never perfect and that captures you perfectly, then I think we might be able to relate to Encanto today, and through Encanto, we might be able to hear a message in God's word for us today. So how many of you, show of hands, how many of you have seen the movie Encanto? All right, a decent number of people. It's okay if you haven't. How many of you know all the words to all the songs in Encanto? All right, there are a handful of people who are being pointed at or raising their hands on that one as well. I might need your help later. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, do not worry. All you need for today is, uh, is a little bit of background on the story. So Encanto is about a, a family that has a magic house, just like your family, right? Magic houses. And uh, each person who lives in that house has a, an extraordinary gift, super strength and weather control and shape-shifting and talking to animals. Everyone, that is, except Mirabelle. Mirabelle doesn't seem to have a gift. And while Mirabelle puts up a good front, you can kind of tell through the movie this, this actually does bother her. She wonders why, why she didn't get a gift like all of her family and all of her siblings. 
But something else is happening in Mirabelle's family. You see, the magic house is beginning to fall apart and lose its, lose its magic. Mirabelle decides to try and, and solve the mystery to figure out what's, what's happening, what's going on. And as she explores this sort of facade of the, of the perfect family and the, and the perfect setting with this beautiful magic and the, and the perfect community, it, it, all begins to, it all begins to come apart. It begins to crumble. As Mirabelle is searching for answers, she has a conversation with her sister, Louisa. Louisa is the, like, really strong one. You'll see a, a picture, uh, you'll see a picture that goes along with this. She's the really, she's the really super strong one. And I say a conversation, this is a Disney musical, so what actually happens is Mirabelle asks a question, and then Louisa sings a song. And in that song... There's a line that I just, for me, it just kind of jumps out. Louisa says this, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. You see, as the, as the magic is fading and as, as everybody's struggling with their gifts, they, they've defined themselves by these gifts. Louisa among them, and she's like, if I don't have this gift, then, then I'm not any good to anybody. She's feeling all this stress and pressure. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel worthless? Anybody ever just kind of feel worthless? Does anybody... Does any, anybody ever just feel like, like you're just searching for meaning in your life? I do sometimes. Sometimes when I don't know the right thing to say, I feel like I, I just am, am not enough for this person in this situation. Has anybody ever felt like that? Or sometimes... Sometimes when I feel like I've let somebody down, I take it on me and I think, I, 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 I wish I could be better. Or sometimes when I look at the gifts that other people have, I don't know if any of you do this, you sometimes look at the gifts that other people have and you think, if I had those gifts, I'd be a better me. Anybody ever think that? Let's test this idea. I, I'm going to guess I'm not alone. How many of you wish that you were better at a sport that you love? All right, how many of you wish you could play an instrument or sing like the group that was up here? Man, if I could just entertain people like that, I'd, I'd, be, I'd make people happier. How many of you wish you were a better cook? How many of you wish the person, nope, nope, don't go there, just sing, just sing. How many of you wish you were smarter? Anybody wish they were smarter? How many of you wish you had the gift of being more beautiful or, or more handsome? Sort of stocky and stodgy, not singling anyone out here. How many of you wish you had the gift of making more money? Right, when we think about, our world tends to rank gifts, doesn't it? Do you ever think about that? We're going to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, but in Corinthians he talks about this too. We tend to rank gifts. 
right? And, and, and popularity and money-making and, and like managing people and being beautiful and being loved by everyone, like those are the gifts everybody wants. Those are the important gifts, and then there are these other gifts. We, and we rank these gifts, and we put ourselves on a, on a chart, and we decide our worth based on where we fit in that. And it becomes really easy to think that if, if we don't have these gifts, that we don't have worth, or, or we're not as good, or we're not good enough, or we don't matter as much. This is the point in the story, and in Kanto, and in, I think in our own stories, where we need to look at the Bible. Because it has something to say about gifts, and about the ranking of gifts. We're going to turn today to a book called Ephesians, which is actually a letter to the church in Ephesus. Can I take you on a quick adventure this morning? Let's, let, we're going to travel to Ephesus today. When you close your eyes, you're going to just imagine yourself going to, going to Ephesus. We're going to take this incredible trip. We're going to get on an airplane. We're going to sit for 12—wait, nope, uh, this is imagining. You're going to magically appear on the shore of Ephesus because that flight is grueling. Right? And you're going to open your eyes, and suddenly you're right there in biblical Ephesus, and you're looking at the library. It's this incredible stone facade, and, and it's amazing now, 2,000 years later, but imagine how it was built 2,000 years ago without the engineering of today. It's still, the front of it at least looks pretty good. Ephesus in biblical times was this port city. It was a, essentially a doorway to Asia from the area of the Middle East, and, and lots of people poured through. It was an important place, and it was pretty advanced for the time, at least for, for the wealthy people. They enjoyed some things that you don't think of in biblical times that, that we enjoy today. Can anybody guess what this is? It's a bathroom, which when you travel to Ephesus, you think 2,000 years ago, they didn't have bathrooms like we did, but actually, actually they did. They had toilets. Now, they did not have stalls, which would make it really weird. Um, but uh, but they, they had bathrooms, and they had running water. Like, literally, there was a system that they would drop water through and flush. So, it just helps to think that these are people like, like us. At the heart of the city of Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the temple of Artemis, and it's long since gone. But people would come to the city, because it was a, a pathway, and they would come to, to worship Artemis, and then there was a whole, a whole marketplace built around the god Artemis. Like, there were blacksmiths, and they'd make all these trinkets, and, and people would come, and they'd, they'd buy trinkets. Anybody ever traveled somewhere and bought a trinket to, you know, a little souvenir? Like, that's not a new thing. That was happening 2,000 years ago. They'd buy their little Artemis trinket and take it home. Paul goes here, the apostle Paul, he has this encounter with Jesus, and he wants to share the love of Jesus everywhere. And so he goes to Ephesus, and he plants a church there, because it's a crossroads. Lots of people are going to come into contact with this church. And he wants all these people to come into contact with who Jesus is, who, who the one God is. And so he serves there, and he, and he teaches them, and he, he says, like, this isn't about making money, like Artemis is about making money. This isn't, this isn't about serving 
all these different gods. It says to follow Jesus is to create a community of, of love and goodness and to show the world this love. Part of what it, what it meant was not to worship idols. And so Paul tells all the, all the people, he says, don't buy these idols. And actually what happens is that these new followers of Jesus, they stopped buying the trinkets and all the stuff in the marketplace. And Demetrius, he was like one of the people who worked in the marketplace. He gathered a bunch of people in, in, a, in a theater. It, it probably was the, the theater that we can still see there today. He gathered all these people together and he started a mob and they were going to grab Paul. But Paul avoids them and then has to leave the city. The church, however, stays, and Paul wants to strengthen that church, so he writes them a letter from prison, actually. And in the letter, he tells them what it means to be the church. He wants to help them be this witness for God in, in the crazy culture that is around them in the, in the community. He wants to tell them what matters most, how to be the church. And Maybe as important, right, there were Jews who had come to believe in Jesus, and there were Gentiles who came to believe in Jesus, and, and like all of the churches, they were struggling with some of the things they didn't agree about, and he, he wanted to help them find unity so that they could be a, a unified message of the love of Jesus for the community. So he writes this letter, and he gives thanks by the way, for those of you who want to learn about writing letters in your life, letters are still a great way to, to lift people up, communicate things. Paul is a great example of a letter. If you start by giving thanks, you immediately help your audience sort of know what is, what is good and right in the relationship. It's a great way to start a letter. So Paul starts by giving thanks. And then he talks about this gift of Jesus. In our faith works language, he talks about Jesus as this forever friend that is always with us, that will never leave us alone, that will save us. And then Paul says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Paul says to the followers of Jesus, you don't have to earn God's love. Like God's love is not based on how much good you can do for the church. It's not based on how good you are at anything. You don't have to earn God's love. No one gift is greater than any other because God loves all of you, each and every one of you. You all matter to God. God loves you for who you are, not what you can do. I know you've heard this message before. Many of you have heard a message like this before. But I think it's really easy in our culture to forget. So I'm going to invite us, I'm going to say it one more time, and then I want to invite us to say it together. God loves you for who you are, not what you can do. Let's say this together. God loves you for who you are, not what you can do. Paul then has something else that he wants the church to know. 
One more line in this letter to Ephesians. He says, for we, meaning the church, we believers of Jesus, are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is one of my favorite lines in the book of Ephesians. It's, it's really a cool thought, isn't it? Like, you are God's masterpiece. Do you ever think of yourself as a masterpiece? That's not where I start. When I look at myself in the mirror, masterpiece is not the first thing that comes to mind. Right? But, but imagine... God standing here and looking out at all of you, and what God says is, you, you are my masterpiece. Because it's not about, it's not about how great any one of you are. It's that I created you together with all kinds of diversity of gifts to do good works in the world. And when you all go and do that, it's, it's a masterpiece of love and goodness and, and community. I think God wants us to know, I think Paul wanted the church to know that each one of us were not created just because God was bored one day. It's not like God was bored one day and he's like, mm, let's create a Brian, let's create a, a Matthew, let's, let's create a Charlotte. No. We are created to do God's good works together. To be a part of good in the world. Let's say this together too. So we say it and, and own it. Would you say these words with me? We are created to do God's good works. For those who haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it by now, I think I'm safe. Toward the end of the movie, the house falls down and all the magic is gone. Or at least they think so. The super gifts are gone. And the family is forced to sort of reconcile like, what happened? What do we do now that it has all fallen apart? And it's at that moment that something beautiful and amazing happens. Abuela, the grandma in the movie, she puts words to it. She says, I was given a miracle. It was the miracle that, that the house held. I was given a miracle, a second chance. And I was so afraid to lose it that I lost sight of what the miracle was for. The family became so afraid of losing these special gifts that they lost sight of what all the gifts were given for. All those gifts were about relationship and family and community. All those gifts were about love at the center of their lives. Because the miracle, it wasn't about the magical gifts or who could do what. It was about family and community. And it's with this realization then that the family, they come together. And the community joins them. And actually, it's a fun moment in the movie if, if you haven't 
if you haven't seen it or when you do watch it, or you, it's easily missed. Do you know who's leading the community back up to the house to help rebuild everything? It's the, it's the priest. It's like the, the, the church is coming to help rebuild. The community responds in this time of need. And they all realize that the gifts that they need aren't super strength or, or talking to animals or shape-shifting. No gift is more important than the others. What does matter is that it all starts with loving one another. And then... The gifts come together to rebuild the house, the community, a better community for everyone. The last song of Encanto, all of you, has a, has a great echo of Ephesians in it. Feel free to sing along. I am not going to sing. You don't want to hear that. Look at this home. We need a new foundation. It may seem hopeless, but we'll get by just fine. Look at this family, a glowing constellation, so full of stars and everybody wants to shine. But the stars don't shine, they burn. And the constellations shift. I think it's time you learn you're more than just your gift. And I'm sorry I held on too tight, just so afraid I'd lose you too. The miracle is not some magic you've got. The miracle is you, not some gift, just you. The miracle is you, all of you, all of you. Sometimes when I put my daughter to bed at night in a culture that has so much to say about where value comes from, where individual value comes from, I'm reminded of a, of a pastor, passed a number of years ago now, Stan Buck, and the testimony his daughters gave that I, wow, that I want my daughter to know. And so sometimes when I tuck her into bed at night, I'll just say, I love you, and she'll tell me she loves me too. And then I'll ask her, you know why I love you? And she knows now. <laughs> but it doesn't stop me from going through. Do I love you because you're smart? Because you're really smart. And the answer is no. And I say, you are really smart, but that's not why I love you. And do I love you because you're really creative and talented? And the answer is no. You are creative and talented, but that's not why I love you. I love you because I'm your dad. And nothing, nothing will change that love. When you feel inadequate or insecure in your life, those moments that come for all of us. I hope you'll think of Encanto as a doorway to the letter of Ephesians and hear this reminder. You belong to God. We belong to God. And God doesn't love you because you're 
smart or because you're talented or because you're creative or because you're good at making money, although those are all gifts that we can use for God. God loves you because you're God's son and you're God's daughter. You're part of God's family. We are God's miracle. All of us, together. Can you say that with me? We are God's miracle. All of us, together. We are God's accomplishments, Paul says. Created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. Amen? Amen.